So we're in our second week as we prepare, as we get closer to Christmas, and as we look at the Bible at history, we can see the big events, things that happen to nations, things that happen through prophecy, signs in the sky, all that point us to Jesus. But this year we're looking at individual stories, individual people whose lives point me to Jesus. You know, one of the most meaningful stories that an individual may have is the birth of a child. I said before, it could be our own children or grandchildren or even a niece or nephew or friend or, you know, family. And, and so we're looking at the birth of sons in the Old Testament and how they pointed to Jesus. And the life of Benjamin is one of those stories. Benjamin teaches us about faith. Now, when I planned this series a year ago, I thought, Joseph. Joseph is the hero of the story. So I actually originally had Joseph written in as who we're going to talk about. But then as I started looking at it, I said, it's really Benjamin that points us to Jesus and faith. So we're going to be looking at Benjamin today. Now, why talk about faith? Last week, we, we saw both from the scriptures and from Modern psychology even has recognized that we live better with hope. But faith answers the question, in whom do we put our hope? That's where faith comes in. We touched on it a little bit last week. It's important who we hope in, and we're going to dig more into that this week. I'm wearing my Grinch stuff today. I've got my Grinch tie. This year I even have Grinch socks. And part of that story is little Cindy Lou Who. She puts her faith in Santa Claus. But Santa Claus is the Grinch, and he steals all her stuff. It's important to know who we have faith in. Who do we hope in? John the Baptist, as we read in our gospel passage, he puts his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we want to have the right focus of faith. Let's pray before we get into the scriptures today. Jesus, today, you are our hope. And Spirit, I pray that you move through us so that we can strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ. The hope of salvation for us and for the world. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Now, it's interesting with Benjamin, we'll see, Benjamin doesn't have any spoken words in the Bible. He doesn't get to say anything. That's one reason why I I picked a song that usually we do later, you know, Little Lord Jesus, No Crying He Makes. Now, we know that's a lullaby, and that's not probably not accurate. You think that, oh, Jesus was born, and from the time he was born, he was literally a perfect baby. He, He was born speaking. He never had to cry. That's not true. But this idea of Jesus not crying out, he didn't cry out as an adult. You know, Matthew 27, 12 through 14 tells us of Jesus. It says, while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he didn't answer. Pilate said to him, don't you hear how much they are testifying against you? But he didn't answer him on even one charge, so that the governor was quite amazed. 
It's not little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. It's adult Lord Jesus. Keeps his mouth shut. And that fulfills prophecy, Isaiah 53, 7, which writes, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. Benjamin is the center of this story, and he never speaks a word. And he's going to point us to the Son of God. If you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to start in Genesis 35. And uh, these uh, scripture references are in your bulletin in the note sheet or uh, online on version. Genesis 35, 16 through 18. This is the birth of Benjamin. It says, They set out from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and her labor was difficult. During her difficult labor, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. With her last breath, for she was dying, she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. First thing about Benjamin is his father named him. His father named him. Rachel, who's a mother, she's the favored wife. And Benjamin will be her second son. Rachel's, both her sons, Joseph and Benjamin, they're the youngest because she didn't conceive for most of her marriage to Jacob. But from Jacob's point of view, from the father's point of view, Joseph is his number one child because Rachel is the favored wife. So Joseph, Jacob is playing out Joseph receiving the covenant. That's why he gave him the coat with the many colors. You're my honored son. And Benjamin is the number two. If Joseph can't do it, Benjamin will get it. And if Joseph does get it, Benjamin's his right hand. These are his favorite two kids. Now, Rachel dies while giving birth. And with her dying breath, she names him son of my sorrow. Now, the wives of Jacob, according to scripture, Leah and Rachel, they had named all of their sons up to this point. The sons that they had given birth to, the sons that their their handmaidens had given birth to, they named all their sons. And Rachel names this last son, son of my sorrow. But Jacob, who is now taking a new name, Israel, he renames him. Not son of my sorrow, but son of my right hand. He hasn't named any of his sons up to this point. But this one he says, no, he's not son of my sorrow, he's son of my right hand. It shows his station. He's, he's not just the right hand of Jacob, he's the right hand of Joseph. He's number two. You know, naming a child is important. You know, all of us who have been parents and had to figure out what we're going to name our kids, you know, Jennifer and I agreed on what we would name our first daughter and what we would name our first son if we were to have them. We actually agreed on what we would name our second son if we had one. We did not agree on what our second daughter's name would be. And so we were going back and forth for quite a while. And although we like our second daughter's name, if Jennifer had died in childbirth, our second daughter would probably have a different name. Because I would have gone with what Jennifer went with. 
instead of our compromise, maybe. You know, it's her. You know, we might have had a Hannah instead of Elizabeth, because that's the name she liked. But Father gives him a name in this case. And Jesus' name is also important. Now, this week, my family was listening to Christmas songs, and I was in the car, and and we were listening. There was two songs in a row that, that used the, the name Emmanuel. And Sophia asked, well, why are they calling him Emmanuel? And I said, well, here's the thing. Jesus is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. Emmanuel is God with us. He is God with us, but his name is Jesus. And just as the father named Benjamin, the father named Jesus. Matthew 1, 20 and 21. It says, After he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, this is Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph didn't pick the name. The father picked the name. He says, Jesus, which means God is salvation. And as we read last week, also Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The name is important. Jesus was named by the Father. You know, I hope that every Sunday I can provide you with a sermon with some encouragement. I try to have something in a sermon that's even very practical for our lives. And it's the same way when I talk with people in the community. I want to be a positive influence on other people's lives. But ultimately, I really only have one thing, or actually one person, that it's important, most important for me to speak about. Jesus. I can give you or someone out in the community all the self-help stuff that they want, but ultimately it's the name Jesus that's the most important because there's no salvation in any other name. I've been listening to a speaker, his name is Simon Snick, uh, in order to improve my leadership ability. He's a good speaker. Good stuff. I'm learning a lot. Good leadership may save an organization. Jesus saves lives. The name is important. And Jesus was named by the Father. You know, it's not easy in our culture to stand on the foundation that there's only salvation in one name, Jesus. It's not polite in our culture to tell people that their beliefs are in error, even though that is loving <laughs> when done with the right attitude and right words. That's a good thing to move people away from error. But there is only one Savior that's named by God. Only one, and that is Jesus. So I put my faith in him. So back to our story of Benjamin. Some time has passed. Joseph has been sold off 
by his brothers to Egypt, and he's risen to power in Egypt. And now, in the promised land, there's a famine. And his brothers need to, and Jacob need to figure out what to do. So Genesis 20, or 42. We're going to start verse 1. Genesis 42, verse 1. Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt. He said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, he went on, I've heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us that we will live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin, with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. Let's jump up to verse 29. It says, When they reached their father, this is after they've come back, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they told them all that had happened to them. The man who is lord of the country spoke harshly to us and accused us of spying on the country. But we told him, We are honest and not spies. We were twelve brothers, sons of the same father. One is no longer living, and the youngest is now with our father in the land of Canaan. The man who is lord of the country said to us, This is how I will know if you are honest. Leave one brother with me. Take food to relieve the hunger of your households and go. Bring back your youngest brother to me, and I will know that you are not spies but honest men. I will then give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the country. Benjamin, his brothers needed him. His father named him and his brothers needed him. So, they're standing around starving. And Jacob says, there's food in Egypt. Why are you standing around looking at each other? Go get us some food. And they head down there and they don't recognize Joseph. And so, they are being as honest as they can in order to not be accused of being spies. But they're, they're only going to get limited help from Joseph until Joseph finds out if Benjamin is alive. The ten brothers go to Egypt to buy grain. Joseph recognizes them. He wants to know that they haven't killed Benjamin or sold him into slavery. So he says, you're spies, but here's some grain, just in case you're not. And he takes Simeon as a hostage. Now, all the brothers have some guilt, but Simeon and Levi in particular are murderers. So he keeps one of the murderers, and he says, when you come back, you better have brother number 12 with you. That's proof of your honesty. Bring back brother number 12, Benjamin, or you're all dead. But if you bring him with you, you're all good. They can't go back without Benjamin. But they need to go back. They need to go back to save Simeon. They need to go back eventually to get more food. And they need to bring someone who's innocent. Because Joseph, their judge, knows they're all guilty. They need Benjamin. You know, my first vacation I took to New York, my brother was uh, in the production showboat at the Gershwin Theater. And uh, he, he bought me a ticket to go to the show. He bought me a really cheap ticket. 
He says, we're going to trade in your ticket for a good ticket. And so before the show, he took me backstage. I had no business being backstage. But I was with him. So no one said a word. I needed him. And we're walking around and I'm seeing all these actors and singers and stuff. And we went right up to like the main office of the producers. And I'm in their office. And my brother says, give me your ticket. And I gave him my ticket. And he says, walks up to the producer. He says, I have this ticket for my brother. Can I trade this for, for another ticket? And he said, sure. And I have orchestra street, orchestra seat aisle. And then we walked out, you know, and you know what? If anybody had spoken to me after that point, you know, why are you back here? I could have said, well, I was just talking to the producers. They were giving me a comp ticket. but I could only get back there with my brother. There is no, there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. The brothers needed Benjamin. I needed my brother Jesse. We all need Jesus. Jesus said, in Matthew twenty twenty eight, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Benjamin's life would be a ransom for all of his brothers. Jesus' life is a ransom for the world. See, the man named Jesus is important because his life is the payment. His life is the guarantee. His life is the ransom for my life. His life is the one that gives me access to God, like Benjamin's life was the one that gave the brothers access to Egypt. That's how he saves me. He shows up and gives his innocent life for mine. I've never killed anyone like Simeon, but I've hated I've never committed adultery like Reuben, but I've lusted. I have not kept my word like Judah. I've been prideful like Joseph. I need someone innocent to swap with me. When I stand before God, my judge, and that's Jesus. So I put my faith in him. So the family finally gets to the point where they have to go back to Egypt or starve. They haven't yet been able to convince their father to let Benjamin go. Reuben's tried. Not very well in my opinion. He said, let me take Benjamin and if I don't bring him back, you can kill my sons. Kind of offer is that to a grandfather? He's not letting him go. And finally, Genesis 43, starting verse 1, Judah steps up. It says, Now the famine in the land was severe. When they had used up the grain they had brought back from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little food. But Judah said to him, The man specifically warned us, You will not see me again unless your brother is with you. 
If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go. For the man said to us, you will not see me again unless your brother is with you. Why have you caused me so much trouble, Israel asked. Why did you tell the man that you had another brother? They answered, the man kept asking about us and our family. Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And we answered him accordingly. How could we know that he would say, bring your brother here? Then Judah said to his father Israel, send the boy with me. We will be on our way so that we may live and not die. Neither we nor you nor our dependents. I will be responsible for him. You can hold me personally accountable. If I do not bring him back to you and send him before you, I will be guilty before you forever. Now, my first two points that had an N in them came real easy, and then I had a hard time with the last one. And then I realized it fit more than I thought. Judah nannied him. I was trying to think of a stronger word for protection and all this kind of stuff, but I the thought about um, Mary Poppins as an example. I don't know if you've seen the new Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins Returns, but it's pretty cool. It's a slightly different take on the character than the original. But you think about Mary Poppins. She makes an agreement that she will take care of the children as if they were her very own. She protects them as if they were her very own. Mary Poppins is both tough and loving. And in the end, she returns the children to the parents. Mary Poppins is a nanny. And that's what Judah is doing. First, he lays out the situation for his dad. He says, the man said we can't go back without Benjamin. He says, we won't see his face. We can't trade without seeing him. We can't go back. He says, but if Benjamin goes, we'll all go. But if Benjamin doesn't go, none of us are going to go. He says, dad, that's just the way it is. All 11 of us will go. Or all 11 of us will stay. That's just the way it has to be. And Israel asks, why did you even tell him about Benjamin? And Judah says, you know, the man was pressing us. We were just trying to be honest. He kept asking us. He asked us about you. Is your dad alive? We don't know why he was asking these questions. How many brothers do you have? Where's where's number 12? He says, we had no idea that he'd actually want to see Benjamin. We were just trying to be honest. So Judah makes a covenant. He says, send Benjamin with me. He doesn't say, send Benjamin with us. Send Benjamin with me. He says, think about it. He says, if we don't all go, we're all dead anyway including Benjamin. But he says, it's all going to be on me. Both Judah and Benjamin are the tribes of Israel's kings. So symbolically here, we have the king protecting the king. 
Saul is the first king of the tribe of Benjamin. David's the second king of the tribe of Judah. The king is protecting the king. You know, there actually was a time in Jesus' life when he needed protection. It's part of our Christmas story. Matthew 2, 12 and 13. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they, that's the Magi, returned to their own country by another route. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Benjamin lives so his family can live. And Jesus had to live so that I could live. Not Herod. Not the torture before the crucifixion. Not the cross. Not the stabbing by the spear. Not the grave. Could keep God the Father from bringing Jesus to life. Jesus had to live. God protected Jesus so that Jesus could protect me. Just as Judah protected Benjamin so Benjamin could protect the family. So I put my faith in him. I want to show you a clip from a cartoon that you will be very familiar with. You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat! <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Now that came out in nineteen sixty five. Of course, a very different time in 1965. But even then, the network told Charles Schultz, You can't put that in the cartoon. People don't want to listen to 
Linus read the Bible. Actually, he didn't read it. He quoted it. <laughs> they said, that's going to ruin your cartoon. But Charles Schultz said, insisted. He says, that's what it's all about. And now I would argue that that is the most recognized clip from any Peanuts cartoon that there is. The part about Jesus. You know, Martin Luther said, God our Father has made all things depend on faith, so that whoever has faith will have everything, and whoever does not have faith will have nothing. But I'd add to that, it matters who I have faith in. Let's place our faith in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, actually God, Father, we thank you that you gave us Jesus. An innocent Savior, a ransom for our lives. Who cannot be defeated by death. A Savior that can remove the guilt of all our sins. A Savior that is named by you. God is our salvation. Lord, we ask you to strengthen us so that we can walk in that faith, so that we can share in that faith. Because it's only faith in Jesus that we have any hope for our lives now and for the life to come. Lord, we ask this so that not just we, this family of believers, can be saved. But as Judah said, all who depend on us. There are others in our family. There are others in our neighborhoods. There are others that we work with. There are others that we do so many things with that need Jesus, let us offer him to them in faith. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our ransom. Amen. Shall so stand as we sing, Give Me Faith.
soften my heart and break me apart. I need you. 